Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Today is Sunday, May 26th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 316, featuring Celtics center Aaron Baines and also Boston Globe writer Adam Himmelsbach is brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash Celticsbeat and use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your first deposit. What's up? Welcome in. Happy Memorial Day weekend. I hope everyone enjoys a nice long weekend. You get plenty of rest, time to yourself, and beautiful weather. That is, of course, the thing that we really all need at this point, especially if you happen to be in and around the Boston area because there's been just so much rain over the last several weeks and months that I think we're ready for a change. Let's get out. Let's have some fun. Let's be in the sun. Let's forget about the fact that the Celtic season is over, except for the next little while while you listen to this show because, yeah, we're going to talk about a lot of different options and situations facing the Celtics. Kyrie Irving, what is his future? Terry Rozier, building on what we talked about with Gary Washburn last week, what is he going to do? What are those ESPN appearances do to his immediate future? And Aaron Baines, he's got a decision to make coming up too in terms of whether he wants to return to the team and opt in with that player option. So we'll chat with him. We're going to chat with Adam Himmelsbach of the Globe as well a little bit later on and really just explore some of the decisions facing Danny Ainge, potential dominoes that could come from those, the what ifs even from the past that you can look back upon that's that's what this is all about right we're into the silly season now rumors are going to swirl speculation's going to be out there and we're here just to digest it all but a guy who's been digesting the season let's get right to him Aaron Baines he is uh, decompressing a little bit after what was a long grueling season he battled through some injuries some frustration I'm sure but Aaron How's everything going? How you doing as you get into the off season a little bit here? You taking some time to relax a little bit? Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, I had time to collect some thoughts, um, even more time to just hang out with the family and spend some good time with uh, my my young ones and also the missus. So, you know, just enjoying a bit of downtime before I get cracking and get ready for the World Championships this summer. How old are the kids? Uh, I've got a three-and-a-half-year-old and a ten-month-old. So oh, so the... Fun age right now, and uh, it's good to spend some time with them. Fun age, but a lot of uh, still a lot of energy required out of you. Uh, yeah, but you know that's, it's more so the misses during the season. So anytime I can take some of that workload off her hands, I'm, I'm willing to do it. And there's no better, there's no more rewarding thing for me to do either. Well, you're still floating around here. You're out in the community. How much do you enjoy events like what you're doing, like the end of the year carnival at the Reggie Lewis Track and Athletic Center? It's awesome being able to come out here, reward the kids for a good school year and um, be able to just come out here and uh, interact with them in a different environment. You know, it's something that I don't normally get to do. And so coming out here and having fun running around, playing games, knocking some of them down, um, you know, it's a good time (laughs) for all of us. Well, you said you've been collecting your thoughts. What kind of things have been on your mind since the season ended? Uh, You know, um, one of those things, I think at the end of the day, the, the summary that I have is we had a lot of talent, but we just didn't find a way to play as a team throughout. Uh, when we did manage to play as a team, we saw glimpses of how good we could be, but at the end of the day, we didn't manage to accomplish it night in, night out. And, um, so that was kind of our uh, short fall. But, um, yeah, that, that, was, that pretty much thumbs up our season, I think. 
What led to that, do you think? I mean, does it go back to the preseason where, you know, the expectations were so high? I know there was all the talk centering around the finals and playing Golden State and, and maybe some guys, I, I don't know, you could tell me, you know, buying into some of the hype and the headlines. It was almost like the regular season was a formality if, if you listen to certain guys at the beginning of the year. Did any of that become a distraction? Uh, you know, for me, um, I, I was pretty focused on what we need to do the next night. Um, I'm not sure what, you know, as a collective, if that was our main goal, though. So um, being able to go out there and just focus on what we need to do in the very next play, I think when we did get into playoffs, we started doing that. But, um, you know, you can't build those habits within a few games. You, you need to build them throughout the regular season, and that's what we missed out on. So uh, it, it, was, it was a tough off. But uh, like I said, it's just one of those things. It, no one... No one met their expectations this year, and hopefully that drives us in the summer to get better and work with each other to um, get back to team basketball. Did it ever seem like Brad was was having difficulty getting guys to buy in in the same way that everybody did the year before? Uh, you know, I definitely think that um, Brad's system is great. I'm a big believer in what Brad wants us to do, and you know, I, I've seen how good of a coach he is, and you know how much. He enhances guys' ability when they are playing for him. Just you know, he teaches them to be a student of the game. And um, I think, like you said, there were some times that we didn't buy into a system fully, and um, you know that that will hurt us because when we did, when we lived within Brad's system, both offensively and defensively, we, we looked really good, and we did did the right things. I think the numbers showed that um, in part, you know, with throughout the year with where our defense was and what we could do offensively and stuff, but like I said, for the full 48, we just didn't ever put it out there and, you know, routinely do it night in, night out. Take me inside the locker room a little bit because, you know, I'm just very curious as everybody is obviously after the year and, you know, hearing Terry Rozier speak out the way he did in the ESPN appearances, you know, what the season was like because there was so much noise coming from the outside about internal friction or speculation about friction and guys kind of being clicky, hanging out in separate groups. Was was it not as united a group as we saw a year earlier? Uh, you know, one of those things, um, at the end of the day, we're paid to play basketball and it doesn't matter what guys do outside of that we we have to come in and do what we're asked of um and you know i think there's some opportunities where we could have done more at the group and uh you know it's just one of those things that everyone's entitled to their opinion but for me personally i was i was focused on what we needed to do as a group every single night and that's what i tried to live in and you know i know a few guys did and um it's, it's about trying to maintain that and get everyone to do it constantly so um, yeah, there is a lot of noise but there's a lot of noise no matter what team you're on and I was, I was lucky when, that my first NBA experience was in San Antonio because you know there's a lot of noise outside there but the locker room is definitely quiet but you know things are said and things are listened to but not over talk so uh, that's that's one of those things that I'm coming from that background in the NBA and I try and bring some of that to Boston as well but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just unfulfilling right now when we look back and think about what we could have done, it, it burns inside of me. You know, I wanted to bring more to the table, especially in Boston with the legacy that we have here. So, um, you know, it, it, it's a driving force for me this summer for sure. Can there be situations, and I'm not even saying this was the case this past year, just in general, maybe teams that you have been with, can there be situations where, you know, guys like each other, they like to be around each other, but don't necessarily like playing together? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, I understand that. Um, you can be... You know, as close as you can be off the court. Sometimes it just doesn't work when you are on the court. And I think, like I said, that's that's a um, focus on the next play, not not where you're going to be. You know, like you said, um, there was that build up throughout the preseason, and um, even during the regular season, I was like, look, we're just waiting for the playoffs. But when you do that, you aren't you aren't just going to be able to flip the switch. You need to you need to practice and play the way you're going to set the tone all playoffs throughout the regular season. So, um, you know, I think as much as you can be mates off the court, you, you have to be able to go out there and go to war with the guy next to you. And that's, that's um, at the end of the day, that's what the great teams are able to do. So you're one of my favorite players to watch on this team and have been the last couple of years, especially defensively. And I, I genuinely, I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you. I, you've been Boston's backbone in especially the defensive regard, typically at the center of it, both literally and figuratively, I suppose. But 
you know, there there are plenty of C's fans out there that agree as well. So all of that said, and based on what you've already said here as we've been chatting and sounding so passionate about the team and the future and the legacy, I know you've got a player option for next year. Do you intend to stay? Uh, you know, that's, that's one of the things. Um, I, I love Boston. Boston's been great to me. Uh, my family's very comfortable here. And, you know, like I said, it, it, there's no better place to play than TD Garden. And, you know, I've experienced it in the playoffs when it's real, because I've experienced when you're coming back in a, um, you know, a big comeback when, when we beat down by 20 points and we come out and win that. And it, it definitely weighs in that, you know, I want to be there. I want to experience those moments again. And, you know, hopefully have a chat with Danny and um, Brad over the next couple of weeks and, you know, see what their thoughts are as well. And, you know, if everything lines up, I, I'd love to be able to, you know, come back. And that's, that's what um, – We'll just have to see see what we're going to be able to do. And for me, you know, my heart's still in this. And like I said, I'm unfulfilled as driving me because I want to add to this Celtics legacy. See, I'm going to take that as a yes without saying yes. <laughs> I mean, take that as take that as whatever you want. I know yeah. <laughs> things, but um, yeah, I'm, I won't exclusively say anything right now. Sure. Have you pitched Kyrie on re-signing yet? Uh, you know, I think everyone's. Still winding down a little bit. Everyone's collecting themselves. Like I said, um, some guys taking taking some time, and um, you know, if I see him when I'm out here working working out, I'll definitely have a chat with him. But you know, he's such a great player, and um, you know, he is so skilled offensively that um, he, he changes the game. And everyone saw what he's able to do throughout parts of the season and the playoffs, and you know, so. He's a great addition to any team, so um, why not Boston? But, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Well, like you said, you still have that burning desire going forward, and, and you've been collecting your thoughts. And, and of course, you got uh, you know the, the international action coming up here. What is it that you would like to continue to evolve, continue to, to change, improve upon from where you are now to next year? Like this past year, you, know, you added the three-point shot. That became a bigger part of your game. Where do you want to go personally on the court? Uh, you know, be able to um, read read how teams are playing me, and if I if I um, continue to roll, then uh, you know they're going to have to pull in the tag, which is always a great thing because we do have great shooters around us. But if I pop and then they veer, you know, I've got to be able to make the next right um, play. And so a lot of film, a lot of work with the coaches, and like I said, Brad's probably one of the best coaches I've ever worked with at you know developing people into students of the game. So. Definitely spend some time and try and learn as much as I can from um, him to try and help me get better without even having to do anything physical on the floor. Probably feels somewhat natural, or at least more natural, putting up a three now. But what was what was it like early on? Was it tough getting used to? Because obviously you go all those years without that being an, an element of your game. Uh, it's not really tough to get used to. I mean, everyone wants to shoot the ball, right? We're in right. the NBA. So being, being told you can shoot the ball a little bit more, it's a good thing. And, you know, I tried to embrace it, but... I'm just trying to find the right opportunities within our system and not trying to hurt the system. So, um, you know, that was it was a little bit of a learning phase trying to trying to get um, that in line. And I think we found a pretty happy medium by um, the end of the season. So, yeah, just try and continue that. And like I said, if, if it's there, take it, but don't try and force it. So as a team, and who knows what the roster will look like, that's not your call, I know, but what do you think needs to improve from, from where you guys are as, as a group right now to improving, obviously, upon the second-round exit and, and taking things to the next level next year? Well, we got to play better team basketball. At the end of the day, that's what it is, and that's what we got to focus on. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. We have the talent. We just got to play together and mold it into a team. Well, Aaron, I'll let you go. Thanks a lot. The event, it recognizes the accomplishments of 2,000 students across 26 Boston public middle schools who have maintained excellent attendance rates or submitted work in a variety of art and writing contests. One of the many great events that the the Celtics do these off-seasons, really throughout the season, getting players out in the community. It's always terrific. And Aaron, one of those guys that loves to get out in the community as well. And so I really appreciate him giving us some time, giving us an, an outlook here on, on what's to come, both for him, and sounds like he's going to be back. I expect him to be back, and for this team on the whole. And only so much that he could weigh in on that, clearly. But as we know, there's a lot to come for this team and important decisions to be made. But Great to chat with Aaron, especially here in the offseason, and find out what's going through his head, at least. 
So, after chatting with Aaron Baines about the ways that Boston needs to improve, why not bring in someone who's been zeroed in on many of these same questions since the season ended? That's Adam Himmelsbach from the Boston Globe. Should we talk about the Celtics offseason or just spend this whole time that we have together dissecting Wednesday's media game? What do you think? Uh, that's, that's a fair question. I, don't, I didn't have many highlights in that game. <laughs> so, probably. <laughs> but... Uh, to be fair, I don't think hardly anybody did. I was just going to say that. I, you know, somebody asked me the other day, "Oh, how was the media game? How'd you play?" And you know, what were your stats? As if any of us, at least not me anyway, I don't know if anyone's actually keeping their numbers when they're playing in these games. I'm sure as hell not. But they were like, "So who was really good?" And it's like, I don't think anybody played particularly well. I mean, nobody, nobody stuck no, out to you. me. Uh, Adam Jones from the Sports Hub was a big surprise. He was probably the uh, most consistent solid player yeah he was game, pretty good from like and former nba players such as brian scott green right who was going at maybe a quarter speed at at absolute most <laughs> he amped it up though he he was quarter speed he kind of went as it went along he was like quarter speed the first quarter and by the end of the game he was like trying to win scal it was interesting watching, well, like you know it was funny because he was so scal was on my team you were on the other team and it especially when we you know got into the huddles with leon Leon Poe is our head coach. Maybe this is boring to people. I don't know. But Scal was, he was definitely, as the game went along and we were at points trailing by six, eight points, whatever it was, he was getting pissed. Like he was, he was not good. There was no way he was going to lose that game. Even if he had to full on take over and actually treat it like a real NBA game for a two minute stretch at the end, he was not going to allow us to lose that game. I don't think he could have lived that down. Yeah, which is kind of what he did. I mean, he had a chance to win in regulation. I was kind of hoping because he had a chance to win regulation and he missed. Right. Then he came down, had a pull-up three at the start of overtime. <laughs> Sudden death overtime. Yeah, which <laughs> I'm actually a big fan of. Some, uh, NBA Summer League does that as well. I think the NBA should give that a shot. Summer League does that? Pretty I didn't realize free. that. Yeah, that's how uh, NBA Summer League games end. First basket wins. Nobody wants to. You're in Vegas, man. It's a, yeah. you know, nobody wants to like sit around and watch five minutes of overtime with like a bunch of guys who aren't going to play in the NBA. Yeah, it's funny. One of the guys, uh, I, I won't say who in case he wouldn't want me to, but one of the guys that was on our team, because as you said, Scal took the potential winning shot at the end of regulation, missed, and then won the tip and, and took the eventual winning shot, the three-pointer, to, to give us that victory. But one of the guys says to me, he's like, you know, I don't know. Scal's been so pass-first during the game, I, I can't believe he didn't pass it off to let one of us like be the heroes. And I just looked at him funny, and I said, are you serious? Like, there's no part of me that thought Scal was going to pass that ball. Yeah, zero chance. Yeah, no, he was absolutely going to own that moment. Credit. Yeah, it's uh, hey, you know what? He he walked off a winner, and he you know finger pointing to the sky and all that. But all right, <laughs> so we're, we're going to talk plenty about Kyrie Irving naturally. But one thing that I found really interesting was Cavaliers owner Dan Gilbert said a few days ago he believes the Cavs and Kobe Altman killed the trade with the Celtics. He uh, you know his reason they got Colin Sexton who. Maybe he'll be all right. Kyrie was leaving there anyway, so they could have wound up with nothing. He thinks Kyrie's done in Boston anyhow, which is probably tampering. But that aside, do you think that Cleveland killed that trade? No, I definitely don't think they killed it. I also think it's like Dan Gilbert you're listening to. Right. Take it with a grain of salt, uh, and he's going to kind of spin it however he pleases. And I'd be stunned if deep down he thinks they killed it. But at the same time, if you're sure he was going to leave and – you feel like, you know, after seeing Colin Sexton for your year, like Colin Sexton got second team all NBA, feel like or all all rookie team, I mean. Right. And you think, hey, what you saw from him makes you think he's gonna be a star. You got a few other future draft picks that they kind of flipped around after flipping other players that they got from flipping Crowder and Isaiah and those guys, you know, they should feel okay with it. I th- I still think around the NBA there was a sense that they kind of panicked with the way they handled it. So maybe this is their way of being like, Hey, look, see, you know, not everyone should have been dogging us. Kyrie was leaving anyway. He didn't give Boston anything, and we got a couple of good picks. I don't think they killed it. Yeah, and, and I think it's let's just let Dan be Dan, like you said. But if you know if Kyrie does leave, and, and there are a zillion questions related to that, but if he does leave, how do you think the Celtics evaluate that trade in retrospect? You know, they, they took their shot. It didn't work out, but it was worth the gamble. Plus, Isaiah Thomas hasn't been the same since, and that Nets pick landed eighth, and therefore – the deal was a loss. You could look at it that way, or or is it both? I mean, how, how do you think? Yeah, I don't think you can kind of, especially considering the players they gave up. Like, and like you said, the fact that that, that pick, if, if the Nets had been horrible again, and that pick had somehow ended up like number one or number two, and 
And of course it's a lot of second guessing, but everything changes yeah. in that situation. Um, but you know, you got a chance to get like people can argue top 10, top 15, absolutely top 20 NBA player. Uh, and when you have a chance to do that in the NBA, you go for it. And they went for it. And like everyone would have done that. And they didn't do anything to like gut the core of their roster to do it. And they obviously it, it was a tough situation last year with Terry getting hurt in the playoffs. They missed one opportunity. It was a real tough situation with Gordon Hayward's injury. I think that's right. kind of their frustration, really. It's too bad they never, because in addition to missing last year, Gordon, as we know, wasn't himself really all of this year. So I think it's kind of just, and, you know, you can't blame the guy. Lots of people see that, but it's it's just a tough situation to have been in for two years and feeling like, all right, we didn't quite have a chance to give it our best shot. Yeah, that's really the shame of it all is that we may in time and unfortunately maybe sooner than later may look back on on what was such a promising window and say it, you know, the the window never really opened because Gordon's injury obviously happened so quickly that that took the wind out of the sail and then some. Yeah, uh, you know, in addition to that, there are other like people were hoping Jason Tatum would be better this year. Right. Jalen Brown didn't handle Gordon Hayward coming back very well. Um, this year and his reduced role at the start. Obviously, he got better as it went along. Like there was frustration all around, kind of throughout the roster, and you know the chemistry was not there either. Obviously, within this team, I think that's something they have to address moving forward. Is finding you know, let's say for example, Kyrie comes back. Let's say they get Anthony Davis. Like they've got to surround them with more kind of hierarchy guys who are more comfortable in having a lesser role um, and knowing their role. Quick break from the Adams to tell you today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Stanley Cup Finals are underway in Boston. We have Game 1 Monday, Game 2 coming up. BetOnline.ag and CLS Media are giving you an opportunity to win a pair of tickets to Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Entering could not be any simpler, folks. Just go to clnsmedia.com backslash Stanley Cup and sign up for an account and use the promo code CLNS50. you got to put a $25 deposit in there to get registered for the chance to win those tickets. But once you do that, use that promo code CLNS50. You are in. Contest also includes a pregame meet and greet at the exclusive Legacy Club of Boston, right across the street from Causeway Street. At the Legacy Club, you're going to meet former Bruins legends. You're going to watch Stanley Cup segments being filmed, and you're going to see and greet and meet Celtics legend Cedric Cornbread Max will be filming his podcast during the party. Winners will be drawn on Tuesday, May 28th on the betonline.ag Twitter handle. So make sure you follow at betonline, one word, underscore, A-G. Contest does not include travel or hotel accommodations. Terms and conditions apply. Kyrie's decision, it's its anybody's guess. I've said multiple times that I don't believe he even knows right now what he's going to do come June 30th, July 1st. And nevertheless, because people have air to fill, there's still the persistent noise involving the Knicks, the Nets, the Lakers. What do you think we should make of all this, aside from just people trying to fill time and serve agendas? Um, I mean, we're kind of filling air with it now. So I yeah, guess we are. We charged, are. But <laughs> no, I mean, look, yeah, and, no, and that's that's it, what we do. It's it's speculation on <laughs> on the part of the media. Yeah, yeah. I would say that um, my guess would be that Kyrie knows or has a good idea of what he wants to do. Um, now, I, I don't think many other people, like I don't think many people, if anyone in the media really has an idea. Um, you know, there's there's reasons that could be made for a lot of different places. I kind of felt all along, like throughout the year, even as things are going curly, I still felt like he's going to end up back in Boston. Like it just seemed like he ultimately had what he wanted, even though the year didn't go as he was hoping. Mm. Um, but then the way that series against the Bucks went was the first time I started to shift where if I had to pick a team now, I would still probably think it's the Celtics. Um, just not with as much it's conviction. Now no longer like a strong feeling um, as it was prior to that Bucks series. It just felt like everything came crumbling down because he was pointing to that all along. You know, like we heard it. Wait till the playoffs. Wait till I can show what I can do. This is my team. You know, these guys will follow me. All this stuff. Uh, and then he had the opportunity, and it didn't work. And he was criticized, and he looked bad. And it, you have to wonder if it made him wonder, like, do I want like 
one, am I capable of being the number one guy to win a title? And two, do I like want this or do I, do I want help? Um, so it should be interesting to see how it all ends up. Yeah, I'm still a believer that he's coming back, and I've talked about that extensively throughout the year on on this show and, and since the season has ended as well, so we don't need to revisit all of that now. But I, I'm with you. I mean, I probably feel more strongly about it than you do because I'm just, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm waiting for, and all the reasons that you outlined are, are certainly accurate, but I'm, I'm just waiting for that, I don't know, overwhelming thing that tells me enough to make me change my mind. I'm, I'm not there yet. I, I think he'll come back, and we'll see how that plays out. But how much... Do you think that Kyrie's decision, as we attempt to get inside his head, which is impossible, but how much do you think his decision hinges on what the Pelicans decide to do about Anthony Davis? You know, is can David Griffin there uh, control as many of the dominoes in, in even Kyrie's head as, as some would like to believe? Yeah, again, it's hard to say what Kyrie's thinking, but you would, you would have to think, you know, him and Anthony Davis are friends. Anthony Davis is a superstar. You would have to think, the Celtics can go to Kyrie Irving and say, "Look, we're getting AD. You know, we're getting, we're going to gut, we're going to a lot of these draft picks. We're going to lose a few young players, but we're getting AD to pair with you to try to win a title. And we still have, you know, we still have this coach that you liked. We still have this facility that you liked. Like you saw, like you were treated pretty well here. You know, give us another, give us another chance. That that would be appealing to him. You would think. You know, there's also with Kyrie, like you said, you never know. There's a chance he's already made up." The decision and none of that's going to matter. People haven't really talked about this, or at least not that I've paid attention to. Do you think that there's, especially if it's a, a Davis situation where we play out what you're talking about, where Danny says, we're going to go get AD, AD comes in, in all likelihood, he wouldn't be doing so with a commitment. So you're trying to sell him for a year in the same way that you've spent the last couple of years trying to sell Kyrie on a future in Boston. As much as he might want to get paid and might think about his injury history and, and security and all of that, he could also say, all right, well, let's do the prove it situation. Let's I'll I'll do this one plus one thing and won't fully commit. You know, I'll, I'll do the, the player option on, on year two and you got me for a year, you got AD for a year, let's see what happens. One, would he be thinking that, do you think? Would he do that versus a max deal, be it here or elsewhere? And two, would the Celtics want to be held hostage by, you know, two players of that caliber potentially for the chance of, of making everybody happy and keeping them long-term? Yeah, honestly, I think that's something not enough people are talking about. Um, I think it's certainly a possibility. Uh, the reasons he might, like Kyrie sees what he sees, that that kind of is what KD does. That's what LeBron did. Like that's something where Kyrie looks around the league and it becomes like a trendy thing and he sees the top dog doing it. Okay, I'm going to top dog. That's I want that flexibility. Um I think if he goes to the Celtics and tells them that, of course, they would rather lock him up long-term, right? It's not their preference. But if he says, look, it's either this or I'm walking, like, right. they're going to do it. Yeah. You know? like <laughs> They have a chance to pair Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving. And once again, like, sell them on the, you know, when LeBron was doing it and KD was doing it, they were remaining with those teams. It wasn't like they are doing it and leaving after a year. Um, so I, I think that's certainly a possibility moving forward with Kyrie. Like, you, you really can't count anything out with them it, would, it wouldn't be like a horrible move i don't think either you know like like you said financially he's going to be fine regardless it would put him in that next tier of super super max if he did that kind of because his nba experience would be at a higher level it's there's reasons for doing that as well aside from like you mentioned he does have a little bit of injury history but he's going to get his money either way something i've been thinking about because Kyrie to his frequent frustration has you know he's he's been linked to Davis he's been linked to Kevin Durant we know how much that pissed him off throughout the regular season he vented about it a number of times we know he's friends with those guys you already said as much but do we know how close he really is with them like is it a you know is it a banana boat ride dynamic or are they just buddies like he's buddies with anybody else in the NBA no I think um with Kevin Durant it really is a closer more unique friendship i mean they go on vacations together like you see them out traveling together like it's it's beyond like oh that's my nba buddy um i think they would like to play together that's the one situation that i think should give the celtics concern um not the one one of the celtics <laughs> one of the situations that should, should give the celtics concern uh with ad and again i don't like hang out with these guys and yeah. go out to restaurants with them and all but it seems to be a little less um than the situation with Kevin Durant in terms of how close they are everybody when it 
comes to AD, people like to talk about the Celtics. People like to talk about the Lakers, maybe the Knicks. Uh, I've, I've heard someone mention the Raptors as an interesting destination if they wanted to, I don't know, pass up Pascal Siakam or something like that to really go all in on Kawhi's future. Same type of logic Danny could have with, with Kyrie Irving. What team do you think has the best package for Davis? Is it the Celtics if they're if they're fully willing to invest themselves in it, or could another team beat them? And can we believe that Pelicans don't even want to deal with the Lakers anyway after last year? Yeah, I think once the Pelicans locked up the opportunity to get Zion, it removes really any question to me about who has the best package, the Celtics. If, again, like you said, if they're ready to open up the vault, which from all indications I've been given is that they would be, and you have to be, right? When you're getting a top five player, like I, I know people get connected to players that they've seen and like, oh, don't trade him, don't trade him. Like when you have a chance to get a top five NBA player, you have to open up the ball, and that's what they're prepared to do. But there's nobody that can come close to a package. Let's say, you know, doomsday scenario for Celtics, I think, would be if they were forced and went with uh, giving up Tatum and Jalen together. Mm-hmm. Um, is it impossible? No. Like, I think that's on the table. Uh, they would resist that to all ends. I think they'd obviously even resist trading, for Jason, trading Jason Tatum in the deal. Um, but I also think they're going to do what it takes. And I think having a savvy guy like David Griffin in New Orleans front office, while will be good for kind of productive trade discussions with somebody who has a relationship with Danny Ainge, it's also somebody that's not like a guy like Kobe Altman who like stepped into a job and kind of seemed in over his head for a little bit. and made Hell bent like on getting move. that second, second round pick or whatever. <laughs> right. David Griffin's not going to be doing that. Um, he's going to get the best deal he can. So if, if you look at the Celtics collection of picks, young players and assets like it's really I don't I don't I still don't see a team that's necessarily close the Lakers moved up obviously in the lottery to um, make their package a little more attractive with that fourth pick but still I mean Celtics have two recent number three picks they've got that shiny Grizzlies pick which is great for them to have that rollover for another year it's the, few, the possibility of it becoming something really special is still out there I mean there's it's, they've got a great collection of assets for sure also, the Pelicans owner doesn't hate the Celtics the way she hates the Lakers right now. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say what the deal is. That. You hear a lot of reports about yeah. that. Like, oh, there's no chance to deal with the Lakers. I don't really buy that. I think if the Lakers are the team that came with the best package, again, a guy like David Griffin, he's like all business guy who's going to do what's best for his team. They somehow had the best package. Let's say the Celtics got cold feet for some reason and said, we're not including this, this, or this. And the Lakers said, hey, we'll give you the fourth pick and – you know, whatever, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, these young players. Okay, let's let's make a deal. Well, the thing we're ignoring here, too, is Griffin has, has not been shy about saying that he would like, at least, and of course he would, to try and convince AD to stay in New Orleans, pair with Zion, and see what happens over the next year, and at least give it a chance, maybe even to the trade deadline, just give it a chance. You think that's at all realistic, or do you think AD is done? Yeah, the sense I get, that's probably like more posturing um, if teams think look, maybe they're not going to trade him. Like, if you have a guy who says, I want out, no matter what, it takes away your bargaining power a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you make it clear, like, hey, we don't have to trade this guy. You know, he's we can show him that it's great here. And then all of a sudden, if you're a team that's really wanting AD this summer, maybe you say, okay, we're going to have to up our ante a little bit. I have talked to people about that possibility. Like you mentioned, like, what if, what if they just say, hey, let's give this a shot. Like, AD, let us run this with you and Zion, you know, Drew Holiday, whatever, we'll add another piece and see what we can do through February and to see how you like it and see what the culture shift is like. And if you're still miserable, we'll trade you. Um, but that would be, if you're the Pelicans, that's taking another risk because the package you get at that point is certainly not going to be as good as the package you would get this summer. Like mm-hmm. if you're a team like the Lakers who's confident he would just sign with you as a free agent, you're not going to worry about getting him for those last two months um, and then – you know, Lakers aren't going to be a title team anyway with two months of AD with the team they have now. You allude to this, you know, Jason Tatum in in the eyes of, and this is more fans, I would assume, than Danny Ainge because, you know, Wick has joked numerous times like Danny would put his mother in a, a deal if he thought it was the right move. <laughs> Jason Tatum went from untradeable in the eyes of so many to not as valuable as Jalen Brown in the eyes of others. Like I had Kendrick Perkins on the show a couple weeks ago. He said, if given the choice, he'd rather keep Jalen than Jason. And, you know, so a lot changes in a year, and some people are are impressed by different attributes of different guys and all of that. But how big a step back do you believe that Tatum took in year two? 
I don't necessarily think it was a step back. I just think it was not the leap that some people were expecting. Sure. Uh, I think people saw that fabulous rookie year, made you know, 43% from three, looking confident and comfortable in like the conference finals against LeBron and said, all right, wait till next year. And this guy really takes a step. Wait till he has Gordon Hayward with him and Kyrie with him for a full year or two to draw some attention away from him. He's going to be great. And he was good. Like he was really good, but he didn't take that ascension to where you look and said, this guy's a surefire, like 10 time all-star, which is what people were thinking last year. It was interesting. Like you mentioned, it was the, the shift because Jalen had a great playoffs, obviously, and can do a few things that Jason can't. And if you'd said that a year ago, who would you rather trade? It would have been almost unanimous. And I think they're among fans, at least there certainly was a shift where it evened out a little bit. I still think Tatum is probably, well, Tatum's definitely the preferred choice to keep probably the, I said definitely, probably I hate people do that. <laughs> I would say he's definitely the preferred choice for the Celtics to keep. And yeah. among fans, it's probably more of like, I don't know, 60, 40 split or something like that. Do you think, and and this is just your opinion, or or obviously if you've been getting, given any indication around the league or from within the Celtics, but is the trade market for both these guys as high as it was a year ago, or did this past year impact them negatively? And I know that Jalen ended on a high note, but obviously for a lot of the year it was not as good. So, you know, how do you view that right now? Yeah, I would think it's probably about the same for Jalen, and, and Jason probably lost a notch, but it's still – a really valuable asset. Look, the guy's 21 years old. He can do a lot of things that no or a few other players can do. Um, and assuming he continues to improve at a steady level, he still probably will be like a multi-time all-star. Uh, the other part of it is it's not, we talk about the, the market. It's not like the Celtics are actively looking to deal these guys. Right. It's more they have an opportunity to go get one of the game's transcendent players and realize to do that, they're going to, have to give up one of these players almost certainly so it's it's kind of like now what do we do <laughs> something uh that our our pal jay king and a guy that you like to give grief to on twitter frequently he uh he he wrote this in the athletic just the other day and i hadn't really thought about it given what we've seen from Kawhi leonard in toronto should boston have offered more than it reportedly did which was mostly draft picks not jason not jalen it's an easy what if or second guess obviously just like we were talking about with the Kyrie trade and cleveland's perspective and all of that but what do you think jay was quoting gms or executives around the league saying that that boston totally screwed up the situation yeah the sense i got talking to people was that there was some um I don't want to say frustration, but sense that maybe they weren't fully prepared for that moment. Um, I think maybe there was some reluctance about Kawhi's injury situation and, and, you know, seeing where he stood and feeling like, hey, we were just so close to making the finals already. Now LeBron's gone. We got our guys back. We don't, there isn't as much urgency to like hurt our future. Um, But then like if you're watching these playoffs, like Kawhi and just really the whole season in general, Kawhi has been everything the Raptors could have ever hoped for and more, really. Um, obviously, he sat out playing during the regular season as part of their plan to get to this point. Um, but if you're the Celtics and see the way he's playing and and see the way really Toronto has not only have they gotten what they wanted of him, but I think he's gotten what he wanted out of them. Um, and it's hard to say again. It's hard to ever guess what these guys are going to do. But if you're the Raptors, you have to feel pretty good about the situation you put Kawhi in and the way you've shown him you can be a place for him long-term. How closely do you think that Terry Rozier is watching Kyrie's situation? Or do you think after those ESPN appearances, he seems to just want out of Boston? I mean, I know that, you know, your colleague Gary Washburn, who, like I said, he was on last week, he, uh, you know, he thinks that regardless, like Kyrie or no Kyrie, Terry just wants out. He's done. What do you view this situation? Yeah, I don't necessarily think that's true. I think it was just a frustrating year for Terry for obvious reasons. Um, I think if the Celtics went to him and said, all right, Terry's gone, we're going to give you the keys next season, he would jump in the car. Like I, I don't think there would be any hesitation on mm. his part. Uh, I, again, he's another guy. Like the Celtics are he, – he, uh, he likes Brad Stevens. You know, he's got a great relationship with Danny Ainge. Like, he was just upset because he had basically a month last year where he – was a star and he got that taste of what it was like to be a star and then it was taken away from him 
And then in this more limited role, he struggled on top of that. I think when you combine those two things, it made it really hard on him. If he'd stayed in a prominent role, um, you know, of course he's going to be happy. If he, I think even if he had had this smaller role but played a lot better, I think he would have been happier. But it was more like, all right, I'm playing poorly. And it was an easy scapegoat to be like, all right, the reason I'm playing poorly is because I'm not playing enough. Uh, and I, I want that opportunity to be where I was last year when I took the team almost to the finals. Um, but I think if he had a chance to turn around and be the starting point guard, I don't think there'd be any part of him be like, no, I was too frustrated with how last year went. And look, the ESPN stuff's weird and awkward, but that's something like it's pretty easy to wipe that away if it came to it. Have you been given any indication as to whether the Celtics are frustrated with the way that, you know, just the fact that he did that? Because obviously it's not something that he had to or probably even did clear with the team. He just went on and, you know, with a uh, pistol and started firing away. Yeah, and I guess they didn't love it. Um, but at the same time, they understood it was a hard year for him. Um, and they understood he did probably sacrifice more than anyone on the team. Him, you know, guys like him, guys like Jalen. Uh, and he was sometimes you just got voice frustrations. The most things if if like that happened during the season, they would pull him aside and be like, "Dude, like what are you doing? Like what? Like let's figure this out right now. You have a whole summer to cool down, get this figured out. Maybe he won't even be here. Maybe it won't matter. But if he comes back, I would anticipate it being like a pretty quick conversation about it." Gary had speculated that if Kyrie left, because obviously he's plan A, and they wanted Terry back and, and wiped all this away, like you're saying, that they would have to, you know, really commit. They'd have to really invest, which in his translation was in the neighborhood of four years, $60 million. And I think fans hear that and look at last season, recency bias, and they just, they scoff. What do you think that his market is as a restricted free agent? And, you know, where would the Celtics be willing to go if it if it came to that, if Kyrie leaves? Yeah, I mean, I think you can't ignore the fact that he, for the most part, just didn't play well. Um, I think if this was, like, after last summer, obviously the market would have been, understandably, a lot better for him. Um, the teams now kind of saw his flaws and, and another guy like, you know, he's a young guy. You expect him to show improvement in certain areas of his game. And of course it was a tough situation when your minutes are limited. And Brad Stevens said that over and over, like, look, it's hard to throw a guy in for a three minute segment and expect him to be the guy he was when he was playing 33, 34 minutes a game during the playoffs. Um, but that there's no doubt. I would think that that hurt Terry's market value a little bit. And he was looking like he really was looking like if it was going to sign, if he's going to sign an extension, he's looking for like a $20 million a year contract last year. Hmm. Celtics were obviously not willing to do that, but those days are over right now, at least. Um, it, if I'm the Celtics, I would look more kind of something similar to what Marcus Smart got, which is closer to like $13 million a year. Seems reasonable. If uh, so, if Kai, and we don't want this to happen, I don't want this to happen. Plenty of fans do, I guess, because I think they're being short sighted. But if, if Kyrie leaves and Danny decides that Terry's not the answer, who do you think Danny's plan B or C is? I know people like to talk about Mike Conley and trading for him and that type, and maybe that's the guy, but do you think there's there's a logical fit out there? Because in-house, obviously, it doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, a guy like Conley's, again, really good. You know, he's, The thing with him is he's 31 years old, um, and, you're, again, you're looking at timelines. You look at you got a guy like Al Horford, who's 33, going to be you know, turning 34 at the end of next year, Gordon's 30, like, if you bring in a guy like Conley, you have to look at what if assuming that if, if you don't get AD, um, Kyrie leaves, like what timeline are you working on again? Part of me thinks if they don't get AD and Kyrie does leave, that Celtics might look hard at going back to kind of a reset. Yeah. Almost kind of going young again and building around these young guys and starting to use some of these draft picks. And um, and I, it's weird. Like I, that would obviously set them back in their championship quest considerably, but there's like a sense among like fans that I think a lot of people want that. They want like a team that's like young and likable and has potential and is like, and is fun again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I get it. You know, Celtics fans get attacked for it as being a very Celtics happy go lucky mentality. I, I think it's from where they are. You don't want to take that step backward. Although it's, the, this is one of the questions that I posed to, to Gary that I've just started thinking about is, is that the Celtics, obviously one of the questions, one of the main questions facing Danny this summer is was that run last playoffs a fluke was it lightning in a bottle or was it legit because if if he does think it's legit then 
he may say, all right, the, the, the Kyrie experiment didn't work. Let's re-up Terry. Let's go back to that. Let's continue to build around Jalen and Jason, not even go all in for AD. And and we believe that while this group clearly has a ceiling compared to the maybe the Milwaukee's, the Toronto's, if Kawhi stays, the certainly the Golden States of the world, even if KD does leave, that we still have something here that we can build upon versus going back to whatever it was this past year. Yeah, uh, that's they certainly could view it that way. I, I think a lot. Sometimes I really do think back a lot to like what would have been different if they lost Game Seven against the Bucks last year, right? Mm-hmm. Like nobody would have faulted them for that. They said, "All right, you're missing all these guys. Whatever, you gave it a run. Let's see how it goes next year." By winning, uh, by having Terry all of a sudden then emerge into kind of a playoff star, by saying, "Oh, Jason Tatum could almost lead this team to the finals." It raised expectations to like such a massive level coming into this year. The Celtics were never able to handle. Um, and guys like Terry all of a sudden said, "All right, I proved myself. I want, I want minutes. You know, I deserve to be out there playing 30 minutes a game." Guys like Jalen Brown, like, I'd be curious if they'd happened to have lost that game seven at home to Milwaukee, uh, if how it would have changed things this year. If at all, I might not have, but I, it just would have been. The expectation level just would have been completely different. Well, and, and the bigger issue, like you said, is uh, I think, even ignoring expectations, I think guys' heads got too big for their bodies. You know, I, I think they, right. you know, they really got comfortable in their own skin with, we have a, a certain ability here and we want to make the most of it. And that's why guys didn't buy into roles. And, you know, talking with Aaron Baines, and I know many in the media chatted with him as well. I, I had him on earlier in this show and, and he talked about the disappointment and alluded to that, the, the, you know, the team didn't buy in and, and there was an unhappiness there and, and a, a, a friction. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but clearly, you know, a lot of the things that were reported over the course of the year have since been validated, be it by him, by Terry, by others who have spoken out. I, I just wonder if, if there was more to it even than that. But, you know, that stuff will come out, I guess, as it does. But as far as Baines, he wouldn't commit to re-upping for next year for that almost $5.5 million option. He wants to chat with Brad, chat with Danny, but uh, he does want to play for a contender and, and said his heart's still in Boston, even after last year's disappointment, that he feels unfulfilled, that he wants to continue to build on on the Celtics' legacy. I think he's going to stay. I don't have a doubt in my mind he's going to stay, but what do you think? Yeah, I think he's probably going to as well. We, you know, as we spoke to him yesterday, and uh, the one thing, you know, he, he said the same things he said. He loves Boston. This is where he wants to be. He goes, but I want to have a talk with Brad and Danny kind of about what their vision is moving forward. Because um, you want to you want to win. You want to have success. You want to be a part of it. And I'm paraphrasing there. But mm-hmm. he basically made it sound like he was saying, look, I'd like to be back here, but I, I want to have some role on this team. You know, he might be thinking he's bringing Anthony Davis. You know, Al Horford's still here. Like, where where is my role? Um, so that would probably be his one question. But in terms of the salary amount, that's about what you would slot him in at. Like, I don't think you'd get more than that elsewhere this summer. He is he likes the city. He likes the franchise. He's a pretty easygoing guy. Like he said last summer when he signed this deal, it was like the simplest contract negotiation either side has ever had. He went in and they go, do you want to be here? He goes, yep. All right, well, we want you here. And then it was over. Um <laughs> So if I had to guess, he'd be back. But there was that little part of, and it, it would be silly for him not to really to like sit down and be like, all right, I'm not just gonna, you know, rubber stamp this. Like, what, where are we going here, and what do you guys see my role as this coming season as well? A lot of questions, obviously, facing uh, this team. One question that is not facing them because it's not Brad's thing, and that is captaincy. You know, it's it's not something that he's ever been interested in, uh, as far as I can remember, going back to his time at Butler, and he's talked about that. Marcus Smart, first-team All-NBA defensive player for the first time in his career. I think we would all agree, very well-deserved. But it's his message on Twitter, to me, that really resonated. He wrote, Love this, am honored, appreciate all the love and votes, thank you, but I want a banner. Off-season's a myth, let's get it. If Brad did subscribe to Captains, would it be Marcus or would it be Al Horford? Uh, I think it would absolutely be Marcus for several reasons. Um, one, he's a homegrown, homegrown Celtic who's... Longest tenure, too, yeah. He's still, yeah, he still presumably has a long career ahead here, and he truly like stands for everything that they love like al is great and they love him and he sets a good example um for kind of how to be a professional at all times but marcus 
that's an example for how to be the like winning means everything. Don't care if I just came back from a torn ligament in my thumb. I'm going to die for this loose ball anyway. Grit that the fans love, the franchise loves. I don't think there'd be really any question to me if you are making that choice. It would be Marcus Smart. One of the great things about Marcus too, and it's this isn't singularly him, but we're seeing it coming off the year he had, is that you know a lot of people cash in any sport and. You know, from there, they like their their best year is behind them, or they have their best year going into free agency. We all know who that's how that story goes. But with Marcus, he's had his best year right after signing the new fat deal, and when the market wasn't really there for him, and Danny maybe paid him more than he even had to to keep him as you know a, a show of how much he does like him and, and good faith and and all of that didn't overpay dramatically. But Smart goes out and he's one. He's healthy. He is still the. He's even better defensively than he's ever been. Although probably got snubbed in the past a little bit as well. And the three point shot falls with regularity. It wasn't a fluke. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't just the you know like snowstorm stretches or anything like that. Like the guy legitimately all season could shoot. And I don't believe that was a fluke. I don't think that's going away. My question is, what do you think Smart spends this summer working on? What's the next facet of his game to improve? Well, I mean, I still think it's a shooting. Look, like he took. Great, great. He made great, great strides and, and showed what he's capable of, but he yeah, still shot. Like, yeah, he's not Steph it, like Curry. 35, 36. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. and, and it's a matter of a maintaining what he did, um, but also working to improve it. And I think there still is room for improvement there. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be Steph Curry, of course. I don't think he's ever going to be like a 40% three point shooter, but if you can get up to like 38 in that range consistently, like, that's a huge, huge weapon to have but people like Marcus really can just do so many things for this team in addition to all the gritty stuff we talked about like he's a tremendous passer and you saw Kyrie like light up when he was able to play with him he, mm-hmm. when they were paired together their their advanced numbers were fantastic um, he's on the court with Kyrie um, you know he, he kind of gives his team he's the one guy so like when they had those gritty teams early on right the last few years the Jay Crowder the Isaiah's um, that fans really gravitated toward not only is Marcus the remaining guy from that, but he has like maintained that identity. Like that really is him. And I think that's what the Celtics really value. I think that the fans really value. They need to find a couple of guys with kind of a similar mindset to him that I think really rub off on the team. Well, and to that end, and, and I'll wrap with a couple of questions that we got on Twitter. And, and this one is from Magar Studios, I guess. And this person writes, is it hard? It's hard to be a Celtics fan right now because it seems like every player is just quote-unquote trade bait. Which Celtics do you think will be safe from that coming trade storm? And I'll, I'll just add to that, piggybacking on the Smart conversation. Smart's the type of guy, like you said, you look to add, you don't look to subtract. Knowing fully that nobody is untouchable and in an ad trade if it comes to that you got to give up what you got to give up but is there anyone maybe marcus is at the top of that list right there with jason tatum is there anyone that is that is about as close to untouchable as untouchable exists yeah like you mentioned when you're talking about trading for anthony davis nobody is untouchable um it would be really interesting if if let's say david griffin is really a big marcus smart guy and they're, they're, they're gonna have to add in like a second salary somewhere uh, how much Danny Ainge would resist it. Because Danny, like people talked last season, oh, what's going to happen? Like there was never a moment they were not going to bring Marcus Smart back. Right. And I've had multiple people tell me that as it was transpiring. Um, it would be, I'd be really curious how Danny would handle that if it was like, all right, kind of foot, foot in the sand. Like we're giving you, we're only going to give you Anthony Davis if you include Marcus Smart in this package. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, who knows what to say what he would say or how they would handle it, but I think fans have to brace for the possibility that he would be included in that trade. How do you think Danny would handle that? And, again, it's just your opinion, but is is Marcus a guy that Danny just would not give up? No, I, I think if it came down to getting Anthony Davis, he probably would. Um, I think it would be hard for him, but look, like we've seen the deals Danny makes. He's focused on really one thing, ultimately, and that's putting the best team out there that can win a championship. And Anthony Davis, like this... As the Celtics team showed this year, there's still a considerable Anthony Davis away from really contending. You can have all the great young players you want, um, but you need a superstar, and Anthony Davis is a superstar. So it wouldn't be it would be not easy, and I, I think Danny would try to avoid it however he could. But if it came to it, I, I don't think he really would have a choice. 
Last Twitter question for you from uh, Title City Boston, just because I don't think we've even talked about this guy, not really anyway, and that's uh, Marcus Morris. The question is, what do you think happens with Morris this offseason? Yeah, that's a really tough one because it's just so many other dominoes they're going to factor in. Um, the biggest one, of course, being the Anthony Davis possibility. I think the Celtics would like to keep him. I think ultimately he would like to be here. I feel like he was, despite wolfing his frustrations occasionally with kind of the – I don't know, mood of the team. Uh, I think he's pretty happy here. He likes stepping into a big role. I think for most of the regular season, you would have figured his value dropped considerably. Um, but then he really had a, he was probably, just, you know, really one of the best players in the playoffs. Uh, I think that probably helped up his, helped his value a little bit again. My guess, you know, he's not, he's only making like $5 million a year this year. My guess is he'll command something above 10, you know, maybe in like the 10 to 12 range. Um, and it's just a matter of what he, you know, he might have a place he wants to go, a city he likes to go, play guys he wants to play with. Um, but some the, on the Celtics end, so much is going to hinge on the Anthony Davis move. Like, really, that's nothing's going to be figured out until they figure out what's going on with that. All right, and I'll end with this, not from Twitter. And you can take this from a media perspective, a fan perspective of just the game, you know, however you want to approach it. Warriors in the finals for the fifth straight year, they – I would think are going to be the favorites to win their fourth title. Are you tired of it? Do you like it? Do you, you know, it's, it's the argument with the Patriots, you know, do you appreciate greatness and, and you want to see it continue or is, does it bore you as a fan and, and you like the parody? Um, I think kind of somewhere in the middle, I think. So I think what's intriguing this year is I'm looking forward to somebody besides LeBron facing them. Mm. I think like that's enough of a change to really keep me interested. If it was again, like, a decent Cavs team that just won the East again, I'd be, I'd be really bored by another Cavs Warriors. But I think the chance of this, the certainty that there's going to be fresh blood, like whether it be Kawhi or Giannis going up against this behemoth that may or may not have Kevin Durant, I think is enough to keep me interested. All right, we'll see what happens. Adam Hilmesbach, I greatly appreciate the time. A lot of, obviously, terrific insights, and uh, it's, it's going to be a fascinating offseason, man. I hope you get yourself a, a little bit of a break before things get really crazy as we get into late June and July. Yeah, from the media perspective, that's, you know, we at least normally right now, the last two years, we'd be, what, covering like a game six? Right. Yeah, there's, there is, it's bittersweet, right? We, <laughs> we've had a, a chance to catch our breath. Yeah, it's going to be crazy and hectic for sure. Uh, you know, people... Some people say they get tired of it, but like it's it's really become just such a big part of the NBA, like the off season stuff that it just drives interest. Um, it's fascinating how it unfolds, and you know, especially with the social media stuff, like who knows what will happen this summer with stuff be, like being revealed on Twitter, or Players Tribune, or whatever. Like it's it's just like a fascinating time, and and then they moved it up. Did you see the yeah June thirtieth at six o'clock, right? How great yeah, is that? Midnight. Oh, that's the best. So part of me, it was funny, the last few years when it would happen at midnight, I would be like, oh, like, why can't they just move this up? But then when I heard they moved up this year, part of me was like, oh, I kind of like the like mysteriousness of the midnight start, and just just mayhem after dark. But, uh, but then you're I just up my, following, you know, I mean, you're you're up being a, a real reporter and journalist and, and texting and contacting people, but... You know, for for the rest of us schmoes that are sitting there yeah, just on social media, repli- you know, up. refreshing Twitter until three a.m. to see, you know, what's going to happen yeah, next. Oh, go to work at seven a.m. the next morning. Yeah, it's going to be much better for for people. And I'm sure the, they'll be smart with it. Like ESPN will have all its specials lined up and all that stuff. So it'll, it should be cool. Oh yeah, I guess the question is though, how how long does because the one we care about more than any is is Kyrie. How long does he drag it out? Like, I, is his is are the reports of of his destination be it back here? somewhere else going to be right there at six o'clock on june 30th or is it going to be you know take his meetings in the whatever equivalent of the hamptons and doesn't make his decision until after the fourth that's Kyrie, man yeah nope nobody knows (laughs) adam himmelsbach thanks a lot bud all right fascinating time it's going to be really really busy and you know what i mean even we're we're less than a month from any kind of chaos. The NBA draft is June 20th. Boston's picking at, what, 14, 20, 22, and 51 right now, I believe it is. And and that's if Danny Ainge, who is healthy, back to work, was 
out in the public again at, at John Havlicek's memorial ceremony earlier this week. So it's it's good to see him up and around. And by all accounts, based on things that have been written and people who have spoken, Steve Paliuka, his son, Austin Ainge, Wick, others that, uh, you know, Danny is easing his way back in and, and in some ways fully back in. So it's, you know, that's great. It's great to see. And that's what you want, obviously. We're thrilled he's healthy. But this is, this is going to be, talk about having to deal with that at, at exactly probably in his mind the wrong time. And, you know, because now it's it's as busy as it's ever going to be during the year over the course of these next couple of months. Even think back a couple of years of that Kyrie trade that happened in August. There's never a downtime. There is no dull time that you can just say, all right, this is the roster. They're done. Anything can happen. Great show. This was a lot of fun. Brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash Celticsbeat. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Thanks again to Aaron, to Adam, my producer Evan Valenti. Thanks to Nick, Larry, John, everybody at CLNS Media. And of course, as I always say, most especially you. Subscribe to Celtics Beat on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter at Adam M. Kaufman. This is, this is silly season. This is engagement season. This is where I'm tweeting like crazy, talking to you guys like crazy, aggregating reports and keeping everybody in the know. So turn those alerts on, okay? I know it's a, an obnoxious thing to say, but a lot of you do it. So you're really kind and I appreciate it. Let's get out of here, Gino. Help us out. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast. Or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.